Hey there, welcome to the Thinking Christian Podcast. This is your host, Dan Kramer, and I want to thank you for joining me today. If you'd like to know more about me or this podcast, just go to thethinkingchristian.us. That's my website, thethinkingchristian.us. And there you'll find uh, information, you'll find resources, you'll find all of the previously released podcasts. You can download them or just listen to them straight from the website. You can subscribe to them if you'd like. And there are some other uh, resources, other information on my uh, website as well. There are some theological articles that you'll find, as well as some backpacking information if that interests you. And I think I have some videos there you can watch. So just a a number of things. Um, Feel free to browse around. It's all free. I'm I'm not asking for any kind of email addresses. You don't have to subscribe. You don't have to register. You can just, you know, take what you want to. And it's there. And as always, if you'd like to leave a comment, feel free to do that. You can leave a comment on any uh, well, any of the material, whether it's uh, an article or uh, a, uh, a podcast. Just feel free to interact with me. Or there's a contact page. Uh, you can send me an email if you'd like, and I'll be happy to respond uh, just as soon as I possibly can. All right, with that out of the way, let's talk about today's topic. I want to talk about the verb is. <laughs> the verb is. Uh, um, you're probably wondering, well, what's that about? Well, I hope to explain that uh, for you today. Um, now, it's kind of backwards. Last In last week's episode, I talked about the different Bible translations, and or the versions, I guess I should say. And I mentioned that that topic came as a result of a conversation that we had at our Bible study. Um well, today I'm going to talk about the conversation that happened at the Bible study. So I've got it backwards. Maybe I should have talked about this last week and last week's this week. I mean, I'm starting to get confused now. <laughs> I hope this is making sense. In any event, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, when you're done with this, when you can go back and you'll listen, it'll all make sense. If you did already listen to last week's episode, it'll still make sense, I promise you. Um, but uh, this is the conversation that we had at Bible study that kind of you know led to different uh, translations. Um, and you might remember from last week's episode, I said that we had this conversation. It was about one word, and and I'm going to talk about that word today. Uh, it's actually found in John chapter five. That's what we were studying at the time. And uh, John chapter five verse two says, "Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda." Now I'll just stop right there. Okay, so that's that's the the, the verse. You hear, listen to the verse, and you think, "Well, what's up with that?" Well. Let me kind of set the stage here. I'll tell you the dilemma. I'll tell you the controversy. Let's put it that way. I'll tell you the controversy first, and then we'll, we'll talk about how that verse plays into it. Um, there is a, a brand of Christianity that I guess uh, I guess you could call it a brand. I don't know what it is that I've encountered. I'll just call it a liberal Christian theology. And when I say liberal Christian theology, I'm talking about a certain mindset that very basically, to put it in a nutshell, it sort of denies the supernatural. Um, I encountered it as I studied some some um, theological writings and works of, of different um, theologians or Bible scholars, and, and I would classify them as, as liberal-minded. I don't know if that makes any sense to you or not. Um, the word liberal just means generous, and, and so that would seem like a good thing, but... Um, Liberal scholarship is typically generous to any point of view, but conservative Christianity, uh, so they're not all that generous. But in any event, um, liberal Christian 
theologians, again, they, they basically deny the supernatural of the Bible. Um, if, for example, if they come across a miracle, instead of saying, oh, you know, Jesus did a miracle, they would try to find a way to explain how it may have naturally occurred and then got reinterpreted by those present or maybe later by the writers as a miracle. So it really wasn't a miracle. It just was portrayed as a miracle. For example, in John chapter 6, where Jesus feeds the 5,000 people, um, you know, I was always brought up that Jesus fed miraculously 5,000 people, or at least 5,000 men. Uh, but uh, liberal theologians will say, no, that's not really what happened. What happened was um, uh, when these people saw this little boy sharing his lunch with Jesus, they all said, oh, and they all got their lunches out and shared them with everybody. So no miracle really happened. It's just that everybody just just became generous and shared their food with everybody. And uh, by, by reinterpreting that, they can take the miraculous out of the equation and kind of just make it um, natural, I guess. And for me, there's no reason to do that because um, there's plenty of reasons to believe that those miracles actually did occur. And so I'm not sure why the, uh, the, 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 uh, the goal is to, to, to explain away the miracle, but um, the miraculous, I should say. But that's uh, quite often what happens. I remember years ago, I was reading a, a work. It was, a, it was a, um, by a, a liberal theologian. Um, it was a, sort of a, a short um, commentary on the Gospel of Mark. And when he came to Mark chapter 13, the scholar, I can't remember his name anymore, but the scholar, um, and, and if you're familiar with Mark chapter 13, is where Jesus predicts the destruction of Jerusalem. And in his commentary, he said that it's obvious based on Jesus' discourse in Mark 13 that the uh, destruction of Jerusalem must have already occurred by the time that whoever wrote this wrote this down that it wasn't predicted because his point was um, there was no way that uh, it could have been predicted with such accuracy and Jesus very very accurately described the destruction of Jerusalem and so his point of view was well that's proof that it had to have been written after the destruction and I'm sitting there reading this thinking are you serious? I mean, and in fact, I got so worked up by it that I wrote the author a letter and asked him why he thought that. And and he, he actually responded to me. I think I still have the letter somewhere. And um, he, uh, you know, his response was, oh, it's kind of, kind of short in a way. But basically, uh, he was telling me that uh, for Jesus to accurately have described the, the, the destruction of Jerusalem like it's recorded, it had to have been written later just had to have been you know so anyways that's to kind of give you a feel for um, liberal Christianity but what liberals often do is they uh, in explaining away the miraculous what they also kind of do is believe that the four gospels for example were written much later than maybe conservative uh, Christianity sees it and I think this is done not because there's an overwhelm, overwhelming amount of evidence to suggest that the Gospels were written much later. It's just that if they can separate them from early dates, then they would seem more unreliable. And there's this thought oftentimes that this Jesus myth had started to grow by the 2nd and 3rd century because 
you know, the original Jesus, he wasn't like that. But the Gospels, because they were written so much later, whenever all the witnesses were dead, that it started to take on a life of its of itself. And then so, I don't know, and that's just what they believe. I don't know why they believe that, because there's no evidence to suggest that's the case, uh, but they still do. So oftentimes uh, liberal theologians will try to insist that the Gospels were not written early. Um, a conservative view of, uh, the, so let's say, the Gospel of Mark, for example, and, and uh, a, some conservatives will date that as early as 50 AD, which is only about 20 years after the life of Jesus. That's extremely early for a, for a work of antiquity to be you know, so soon written after the event. Uh, so 20 years is, is nothing uh, and that's extremely uh, extremely close but liberals don't like to see that date so close and so they insist that it's much much later matter of fact there's some who insist that the gospels were not written till the second century um, in fact one excuse me one uh, liberal theologian believes that the gospel of John which almost everybody universally believes was written last wasn't written to almost the close of the second century you know almost uh, like around 170 AD um, some uh, like about a century and a half after the, the life of Jesus. And I think this makes them very comfortable because then they can say, well, you know what? It's, it's, it's obvious that this is a myth and this myth of, of Jesus is just really starting to grow. Now, there's no evidence to believe that they're written that much later. Um, I think it's just a preference. Uh, the early church who collected these writings, uh, they identified the, the authors and, and they identified them rather early. And so I would rather go with the witnesses who were closer to the time who said this is who wrote them and this is, you know, we saw them this early than with some, uh, you know, theologian sitting in some office somewhere removed by several millennia from the event. But um, in any event, you know, so there's this, there's this movement to try to suggest that the Gospels were written much later than supposed by, let's say, conservative Christians. Okay, so that's setting the stage in a little bit. That's sort of, not our dilemma, but that's, yeah, that's sort of where we are with, um, in setting why this verse is important. And there's one more thing. Uh, if you know anything about history, you know that in the year 70 AD, the Roman army sacked Jerusalem. Uh, they breached the, the gates, uh, broke through the walls. I think it was around September of 70. I'm not positive of the month, but I, th I think it was late summer, early fall, when they uh, stormed into uh, Jerusalem. And the temple, the temple in Jerusalem, Herod's temple, was um, dismantled completely, was burned, uh, was ruined, um, and was destroyed in 70 AD. And that's a very, very important date uh, to remember. Okay. Now, in John chapter 5, verse 2, John writes, Now there is in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, a pool. Okay, you can just stop right there. This is important. He said, There is in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, a pool. Now he's talking about in the temple here. He's using the present tense. All right. 
In my very first podcast, I introduced myself and, and sort of why I approach the scriptures like I do. And I, I know I, I indicated that I am an investigator. That's my trade. That's what I, I've been an investigator for about 33 years. And from an investigative standpoint, I have to tell you that language is extremely important. And it is not used accidentally by us, but there oftentimes we speak very, very deliberately. We write very deliberately. Let me give you an example of this. And sometimes unknowingly, I mean, when I say deliberately, I'm not saying that you know um, that we 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 process it like this. Uh, it's processed without even thinking about it, but that process, I think, is deliberate. Um, back in the 90s, I think in 1994, if I'm not mistaken, there was a, a woman very notoriously known. Her name is Susan Smith. Uh, some of you may remember this incident. She alleged that um, um, an Afro African-American man carjacked her. She was in her little caravan or her little minivan, I should say, with her two small boys. She said she was carjacked and the man, I guess, pushed her out or whatever and stole her vehicle with her children in the back. And so this search just began for her two children. Where was this vehicle? Where were the children? And and, and so on and so forth. Well, there was a, a um, uh, I think it was a televised event where she and her husband were uh, being interviewed by reporters. The cameras were out. And she said something that was really, really interesting. And I assure you, it wasn't missed by the investigators. She said, as she was being interviewed, she said, my children wanted me. They needed me, and now I can't help them. They wanted me. They needed me. And, and uh, you know, she said this, and she's crying. Her her husband, uh, David, his name was, he uh, you know, started to comfort her. He said, oh, they're okay. They're okay. They'll be home soon. And it's very interesting because he used a different tense than she did. He said, they are okay. They are okay. And yet she said, they wanted me. They needed me. She used a past tense. Uh, incidentally, David, her husband, uh, was not in any way connected to this crime. Uh, he didn't realize that at the time, and I didn't describe the crime to you yet, but what really had happened is that uh, Susan Smith, um, for whatever reasons, she decided to uh, to kill her children. And so she drove to a lake, got out of the vehicle, and let the minivan run down the ramp and into the lake, and she, she drowned her, her two young sons. And she knew the truth. She knew what had happened. Um, and she tried to indicate that you know somebody had carjacked her and, and you know, and, uh, and the kids were still missing at the time and yet she talked about them in the past tense this is extremely important um, and I have to tell you as an investigator this is a huge red flag people don't talk like that her husband who didn't know the fate of the children was believing that they're out there somewhere and is still speaking about them in the present tense uh, investigators are very tuned to this oftentimes, especially doing interviews or interrogations and listening to someone as they talk or not just talk, but sometimes as they write out a statement. Um, it is often the case that as someone is, is writing out or talking about an event, they'll switch the tense to, to suggest um, maybe knowledge of what already has happened. Uh, and again, this is a huge red flag because when in normal conversation, we use tenses uh, that are consistent 
with our knowledge. You know, if we don't know what had happened about to somebody like this husband, he talked about them in the present tense because he believed his children were still out there somewhere and they are okay. But she was already talking about them in the past tense, which reflected she knew, she knew what had happened to them. Okay, uh, back to John chapter 5. John writes, there is in Jerusalem, is. He used the, the, um, the present tense is. And you know, and just a, a few verses later, I think it's verse 5, he uses the past tense. He said there, there was a man there. Okay, there was a man there. He had been there for 38 years or something like that, I think they said. So John knows how to use the past tense. He knows how to use it and, and he knows when it's appropriate. But he also knows how and when to use the present tense. And so he writes that there is in Jerusalem, and this is in the temple, a pool. Yet that temple was destroyed in 70 AD. So if John is writing this, and I'd say even very conservative Christians sometimes date the Gospel of John to 70, or excuse me, to 90, uh, 85 to 90 AD, um, you know, uh, maybe up, up to two decades after the temple was destroyed. If that were the case, even that conservative view, I don't believe that John would have said that. I think that he would have said that now, he would have wrote, now there was in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate, because he would have known about the destruction of the temple. But he didn't. He said there is in Jerusalem. Now that suggests to me that when he write, wrote this in John chapter 5, verse 2, that when he penned those words, the temple was still standing. If that's the case, then this gospel was written far more early than even conservative guesses. This suggests to me that the gospel of John may have been written prior to 70 AD. In fact, I believe it had to have been written before 70 AD because of the tense that John selected when he's talking about this pool in the temple in Jerusalem. Now, if that's the case, that suggests, I believe, that almost that all four gospels were written very early. Uh, as I suggested earlier, um, almost all scholars agree that the, the order of the Gospels was Mark was written first, then likely Matthew, then likely Luke, and finally John. And yet if John suggests to us in his own writing that it was written as early as 70 AD, then all of the rest were written very early. And if that's the case, then the four Gospel accounts of Jesus were written very very close to the life of Jesus. And why is that important? Well, it's important to me because the claims made about Jesus' life and ministry, of his miracles and his exorcisms and all the things that he did and even his resurrection were recorded while the witnesses to those events would have still been alive. And it's hard to propagate a, a lie so soon after the event. And I believe that if these letters would have been circulated very early, that the people who would have been there and would have seen them, had they been a lie, would have objected. And I can almost guarantee you that the Jews, who were very much opposed to Christianity in its early stages, 
would have recorded and would have used those objections in their defense against Christianity. And yet that defense is completely silent. I know I'm reading a lot into one word. But for me, that word is important. And I think it suggests an awful lot to us. It suggests that the, the Gospels may be even far more reliable than we even imagined they were. That the claims of Jesus, that the things that he did, the miracles, had really happened. They had been witnessed by people. They saw what he was doing. And the life and ministry of Jesus is a life that's reliable. Go read John chapter 5, verse 2. There is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool. And you'll know why I believe the Gospel of John was written very early. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me. Thanks for coming along with this ride. Uh, if there's something you'd like to talk about or hear about on the Thinking Christian Podcast, send me an email. Send me something if you'd like to for me to explore something. Maybe it's something I've aware of maybe it's something i'm not aware of but i'm always looking for your responses but uh, until then until next time i will see you on the thinking christian podcast